0: Have you ever tasted breast milk? Well, today's your chance. Today on Shtetl on the Shortwave, we're talking with performance artist Jess Dobkin about the Lactation Station Breast Milk Bar. Also, tons of great music by John Zorn, Leonard Cohen, Matisse Yahoo, and much more. So stay tuned. If you'd like to listen to this or past episodes of Shtetl on the Shortwave, you can go to iTunes or shtetlmontreal.com. to settle on the Shortwave. You're listening to John Zorn right now. John Zorn is the uh, guru of radical Jewish music, and he's going to be playing this weekend in Victoriaville, Quebec. He's coming for the music festival there, and he is the creator of the music label Tzadik, where Jewish musicians and all musicians can go to create really uh, avant-garde Jewish music. And so, of course... Of course, he also made a whole album of Christmas music, which is pretty Jewish, pretty Jewish thing to do in itself. And so we're listening to Let It Snow right now. And uh, I thought that was a good way to start off a show. White stuff, all about white stuff today snow, breast milk, who knows what else. I'm doing a bit of cocaine right now. Uh, in a couple of minutes, we're going to talk with Jez Dopkin She is a performance artist from Toronto, and she's going to be coming to Montreal with her installation, lactation station, breast milk bar, where she's inviting us to come out and try breast milk that she's collected from mothers with newborn babies. And she's looking at all kinds of ideas around the taboos of breastfeeding and breast milk. And I'm curious to talk to her about what the impetus was for doing this project and every time I mention to somebody the uh, the topic of the show there's immediately a gut reaction like oh my god no that is wrong or that's gross and I think that's kind of what she's going for or understanding why we have that reaction Uh, so we're going to be talking with her in Toronto in a couple of minutes and before we do I thought it would be fun because it's been so long since I've played any Leonard Cohen on Stadel on the shortwave. And of course, Leonard Cohen is the saint of Montreal music and also um, a pretty important figure in Jewish arts and culture in Canada and in the world. And uh, it's been it's been too long since I've played some of his music. So uh, take a listen. This is Show Me the Place by Leonard Cohen off of his new album.
1: the place where you want your slave to go show me the place I've forgotten i don't know show me the place for my head is bending low show me the place where you want your slave to go show me the place Help me roll away the storm Show me the place I can't move this thing alone Show me the place Where the word became a man Show me the place Where the suffering began The troubles came I saved what I could save A thread of light, a particle away But there were chains, so I hastened to behave There were chains, so I loved you troubles came, I saved what I could see, a thread of light, a particle away, but there were chains, so I hastened to behave, there were chains, so I
0: So that was Leonard Cohen, show me the place, show me the place where the suffering began maybe that's a good a good segue into talking about breastfeeding. I don't know. I've never had a baby, so I don't know what it's like. But <laughs> I bet you Jess Dopkin is going to have a lot to say, and we're about to talk to her in a couple of seconds. Her work it has been presented at museums, galleries, theaters, universities, and in public spaces around the world. Currently, she is a guest curator of Harbourfront Centre's Hatch Residency Program and a fellow at the Mark S. Bonham Centre for Sexual Diversity Studies at the University of Toronto. And Jess Dopkin is going to be bringing the Lactation Station Breast Milk Bar to Montreal on May 26th at Usine. Say. It's free for the public, and uh, we have her on the line right now from Toronto. Jess Topkin, welcome to Staddle on the Shortwave.
2: Hi, it's great to be here. Thanks.
0: How's it going?
2: Really good. I'm really excited to come to Montreal soon.
0: I think everybody is very excited to have you, although I have to admit a lot of the reactions that I seem to get from people when I tell them that uh that you're gonna be asking them to taste breast milk has been they they people are not so sure about it,
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, which I totally understand and respect and accept um I don't expect people to kind of embrace that idea very easily, like I think part of the idea of the performance is that it is a bit of a transgression, it is something that's taboo, and I also don't feel sorry the the connection's a little funny i
0: I can hear you perfectly you it's okay. perfect yeah
2: <laughs> I think I'm just hearing myself in a strange echo, but I'll try to ignore that, but just to say that that it's not that there's no pressure for people to sample the milk uh it's more of an interesting question for me of whether or not not just of what people choose to taste the milk, but the reasons why like if they taste it or if they don't. And that's just the starting point for a dialogue.
0: What made you want to create this project in the first place? I know you performed it a few years ago uh, in Toronto. Why did you want to create a breast milk bar?
2: Yeah, I presented the piece once before in 2006 in Toronto uh, when I was a new mom. When I create work, it generally comes out of my own life experience and a way for me to process that experience and uh, issues that come up around me. So breast milk was definitely on my mind when I was (laughs) in the process of creating the piece. But when I first envisioned the piece, I had imagined that I'd be one of the breast milk donors uh, for the performance. But I wasn't successful with breastfeeding my daughter. And so the performance became an opportunity for me to kind of work through that experience. and, uh, And also to kind of bring to light the experiences of women and of new moms that are often devalued or distorted in certain ways. And just to kind of bring those issues to light.
0: If I may ask, what was the experience like of not being able to, to breastfeed your baby? Because from what I can tell, there's an insane amount of pressure to, to do that from the new mothers that, that I hear. And it's almost, it seems pretty intense, the pressure to breastfeed.
2: Yeah, I felt it. And I had this expectation you know that I would be able to do it and I was actually quite confident that I would be able to do it you know I really didn't have any questions or doubts going into it that that was something that I was going to do and that I wanted to do and um, it felt like this real failure for me you know and I felt like a lot of shame around it and a lot of um, disappointment that I had to work through and uh, I tried breastfeeding for a number of months. It's also kind of this thing as a new mother, the sense that, you know, that in some ways you just can't kind of measure up and that there are these certain standards and the way that you're supposed to do things and the ease with which it's all supposed to come. And it's not always like that. Like, life is quite complicated. And, you know, I had complications that... Um, made it so difficult. But I did have this sense that, well, if you just try hard enough, and if you stick with it long enough, and that kind of thing, and I felt a lot of pressure in that sense. And um, it really impacted my experience. And I think my daughter's experience, too. when she was an infant during that time. So uh, the performance has been a way for me to kind of come out about that experience. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and also just for women to share the kind of complexity of it like i think that there's a lot of experience that goes with being a new mother and with nursing no how ha- no matter how that nursing happens
0: mm-hmm. the question that i wanted to ask you was well i thought originally i thought maybe some of the breast milk was would have been your own in the original mm-hmm. project even though that was i i think you said your is it a daughter that you had yes so your daughter i think she's seven years old now or it's it it's yeah,
2: she's almost seven. She's
0: almost seven. So mm-hmm. obviously, and actually, I shouldn't say obviously, but I would have assumed that you're not breastfeeding anymore. So the question is, where is the breast milk coming from for this okay. uh, installation project?
2: That's a good question. And yeah, and, and also, I, when I first conceived the project in Toronto, I had imagined that I would be one of the donors, but I wasn't. And in the end, I think it actually strengthened the performance conceptually in that I required donor milk, you know, and that it became an issue around my seeking out those donors and the kind of their relationship to the performance and to kind of developing that sense of trust with them and the kind of challenging notions around intimacy, which I think the performance kind of addresses. Um, For the Montreal performance that I'll be doing on May 26th, there are seven milk donors in Montreal who have donated milk for the project. And I've interviewed all of them uh, about their experience of breastfeeding and asking them other questions too about their diets while pregnant and breastfeeding. And then when I present their milk to the audience, I'll be imparting some of those stories.
0: Okay, how did you find these women?
2: Um, Through kind of networks of new moms. And one place in particular that was really helpful was a breastfeeding cafe called Melons and Clementines in Montreal, which even more than like a cafe and a (laughs) store, it's like this amazing resource center for new moms. And I think that new moms sometimes aren't recognized as a community or that there are communities of moms who are sharing information and stories and resources and that there are these sort of networks Um, that, again, aren't really identified as communities very easily.
0: Okay. What were some of the stories that, that you've heard women tell about motherhood from doing this project that stand out for you?
2: Well, it's been really interesting to me because I think it really has kind of shown me again and again as I've interviewed women in Toronto and men in Montreal about just how unique each woman's experience really is. And it's also interesting, too, because Each woman's milk also tastes really unique. Um, And uh, I I wasn't sure what to expect in Toronto when I first tasted the different breast milks. And I was really amazed and surprised by just how different they all tasted. Um, And in a sense, it's kind of, for me, a kind of reflection of the diversity of experience for for each donor as well
0: why is it that you think people have such a strong reaction to the idea of, as adults, drinking or tasting breast milk?
2: That's a good question. I mean, I think there is a social taboo around it. It's assigned as a substance that's for babies. And then I think there's also the kind of connection to it as a a sexual component of, you know, kind of the milk coming from a woman's breast, which is like so sexualized. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and it being a bodily fluid and being a bodily fluid that's so complex and hard to categorize, you know, that it is a food and it is a bodily fluid and it is something that's used to feed, you know, our young. And it's also kind of an acknowledgement of us as mammals, um, that, you know, that this is what we do, that we birth and feed our young from our bodies.
0: So kind of. So I think there's
2: a lot of social, there's just like some social discomfort around all of that. But I, I, ex- I accept that, you know, I mean, again, like I, I am creating a situation where it is, there is something that's uncomfortable about it, but just asking people to, you know, kind of explore that discomfort. And that's kind of where the conversation begins.
0: Mm-hmm. Why is it so okay to drink cow's milk, but the thought of drinking, uh, you know, milk from, you know, a human being is just so unbelievably, it seems so absurd.
2: Yeah, and it does bring up that for people of like, you know, the, all of the dairy products that we consume from cows and other animals and that we drink that mother's milk, you mm-hmm. know, and, uh, and then just our kind of complex feelings around human milk. Mm-hmm. And also because I think breastfeeding is something that we really don't see in our culture. You know, it's something that is really kind of um, hidden, like even physically hidden. Like so many people that I've talked to really haven't seen women breastfeeding. It's something that's kind of kept in this private space. And I think another aspect of the performance is bringing something that's kind of perceived as this kind of private, you know, act that's tucked away and bringing it into a public light.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you feel like there's still a lot of shame around breastfeeding in public? Is I mean, in Toronto, you're allowed to go around topless in public. So yeah. you would think that breastfeeding wouldn't be a big deal, but...
2: Yeah, and it is. And I think it's part of the mixed messages that women, or in particular, nursing moms receive, where you're told to breastfeed your baby but it doesn't you know but not but it can't be seen you know it's like you're supposed to do it but not in public space Mm -hmm. and I think it can put women in a real like in isolation and in a real bind it's like well if you're supposed to be doing this but you're not doing it in public then it really regulates nursing moms to private spaces Mm -hmm. Um, although there are plenty of moms who you know kind of disregard that and are nursing in public spaces but even In terms of this idea of really needing to like cover it up and hide it and have like blankets or special shirts or nursing gear and stuff so that it's not seen publicly by people Hmm.
0: it probably also I mean I, I hear what you're saying and I think that makes a lot of sense like relegating women let's say to the home or to a private space and then when I think about also all the issues that the body issues that women have like Taking your your shirt off in public could be challenging as well, considering that not every body type is is accepted.
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: So it might be difficult uh it might be difficult to do that, but um I guess the main most important question I wanted to ask you is, for adults, is breast milk kosher?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's um <laughs> would it be, would it depend on what it's paired
0: with <laughs> i't it's true. I, I guess you couldn't have it with a hamburger. Are we consuming that a dairy? <laughs> <laughs> I, wait, actually, I did have it. I've
2: a, never been asked that question.
0: <laughs> well, you've never been on Stetel on the shortwave yeah, before. <laughs> <It's been through. laughs> Where the deep, we real questions come running. out. <laughs> um, I Actually, I wanted to ask you that. Like, What do you have to do to test either the mothers or the milk to make sure that it's safe for public mm-hmm. consumption?
2: Yeah, I mean, in this case, Um, the women, the donors have all been screened and the milk is being pasteurized Um, but it's an interesting question around even pasteurization and again it goes back to me to the discussion around cow's milk and issues of pasteurization which has also been in the news some like in Ontario at least and maybe a bit in Quebec where like I know in Quebec you can get some unpasteurized cheeses but milk has to be pasteurized but I think that a lot of that, there are a lot of kind of Politics and um, involved in those issues around pasteurization as well, and our understanding of what is safe and what's unsafe for us to consume. In some ways, I think that some of the issues around safety are more about like um, kind of a psychological sense of safety than the actual like physical safety. Mm-hmm.
3: Um,
2: and I, I I think it kind of and also where those two things kind of intersect. Um, you know, people have asked me about the safety of the milk and in my mind it's safe or the the, it brings up notions of risk in the way of like you know there's the risk you take in getting on your bike or getting in a car and coming to the performance do you know what I mean or like um there's kind of risk that we don't think about in our everyday lives and so I think that the performance does kind of make us think about questions of risk and even about questions of risk when we ingest other bodily fluids of people, you know, like the risk that we engage in as adults and our sexual behaviors and things like that, and whether or not it matters if we know that person or we don't know that person and um, things like that. So I think it does kind of raise all of those issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the milk, but I guess the short answer is that the donors have been screened and the milk's been pasteurized.
0: Hmm. Okay that is interesting cuz it kind of does it does bring up the idea of yeah like sexually transmitted diseases or um uh yeah but uh, it's nice to know that that it's been in pasteurized and tested and all that. Um, <laughs> I like I guess I I just I was in researching this. I was finding out all this different stuff like there's there's uh, there's a lot of there are a lot of resources out there and a lot of different discussions happening. there's the the human milk banking of North America. Have mm-hmm. you heard of that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So part of the idea, too, with the performance is to kind of provide information or some, you know, education for people around breast milk because it's something that a lot of people don't know about about um like yeah banking human breast milk in montreal too there is a network of a montreal milkshare where women are um donating milk to each other where uh for some women who aren't able to produce milk and breastfeed their babies um and so there are like always things like that going on and again it's just something that's generally kept pretty quiet among these communities of new moms and of women Mm -hmm. Um, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and to me breast milk is a really interesting substance in that again it can't be really regulated you know it hasn't been regulated and the FDA in the US or here in Canada like it, it there haven't been any kind of regulations around it and so it is this kind of I don't know. It's, I think it's part of the power of it when I think of it as a substance. It's this kind of really unruly substance that's produced by women.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah. That's free. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. did you hear about that? The bar in the, the ice cream bar in London that had the baby gaga ice cream?
2: Yeah, I did hear about that. What too.
0: do you think that was about? Like, why? I, I did, couldn't really figure out why they were doing that.
2: Yeah, um, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I can't really speak to it. I think that in some ways, at times, like I've heard of breast milk being included in things like that, in ice cream or um, in other kinds of culinary, you know, uh, things. But um, I think some of it is just a kind of sensationalized, you know, kind of publicity type thing.
3: Mm-hmm. But I think
2: it also does speak to like a curiosity that we all have about this substance I think we sorry I think my phone is doing something again I'm having like real phone issues
0: should I call you back
2: um no I think it's just this echo that I am hearing myself like over and over It's, it's making it a little bit tricky for me to talk but um Would you mind to call me back, actually?
0: You know what? I think it would be a really fun exercise for me. I've never called somebody back while I was still live on the air without playing a song. So let's do it, okay? I'm going to call you back in one second on the landline. Okay. Okay, Okay. Okay. Hold on. (laughs) Okay. All right. This is fun. Okay. Trying new things. Calling people while we're on the air, which is is good. Because, you know, the truth is I've actually always wanted Shtetl really, in reality, to be a live call-in show, and I'm not really exactly sure how to do that because it's hard to manage it. Um, I'll try to do this without saying the number out loud on the phone. Okay, so Jess Dobkin, we're going to be talking to her again in one... (laughs) and hello okay hold on a second how's that can you hear
2: yeah
0: okay perfect all right okay thank you no that's fun it was fun for me Uh, to do that while we were on there honest to god it's good i was saying while you were not not listening, that I've always wanted Shtetl to be like a live call-in show, so it's good for me to practice uh, taking new calls and calling people, and it seems to be pretty smooth, actually.
2: Okay, I appreciate it. It was just like every time, like, it was such an awkward interview, because every time I said a word, like, I heard it like four times echoed in my (laughs) ear, and like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot think, I cannot speak, this is so difficult. You were very... very And I tried just to, like, kind of, like... Normal. rise above but like, I'm like <laughs> oh my god I feel like I'm becoming insane like I can't even think because I'm just like hearing my own voice like as I'm trying to say something else I'm hearing my last sentence like four times
0: I wish I was really good on the board and that I could like do like an echo effect right now just to freak you out so <laughs> that you would think that it was in your head but I don't know how to do it <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry that was all so awkward. I feel like
0: I hope I made sense. I'm just like No, you totally did. We're okay. still live on the air, by the way. Did you yeah, know that? Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I wanted to ask you about a few other things. Yeah, um Yeah,
2: great. Now I can talk properly. Okay,
0: so uh I I've read a couple of articles about you talking about um being out as a lesbian and Mm -hmm. here coming out in this project with a very like an intimate story about your personal life and in one of the articles somebody mentioned how wild it was that you came out as Jewish (laughs) I thought it was pretty funny does does your Jewishness ever play a role in in the art that you create
2: um like that's such a good question and it makes it like it's so i'm like oh my gosh i'm on (laughs) schnettel it's like um it's so super um it's an interesting question. Like, I think that in some ways, when I think about like the, you know, the, even with this performance, like what's kind of like the Jewishness of this. I mean, and the first thing that I think of is that like, even when I did it in Toronto too, I'm like, is there going to be enough milk? Like, is there enough food? You know, <laughs> it's like, and then also the fear that um, there might be some left over and it will go to waste. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of both ends of that. And I feel like that has something to do for me, at least with my, um, with my Jewishness, but I'm like, oh my gosh, what if there isn't enough milk? And I'm like, oh my gosh, what if there's too much milk? Um, but I think I've got it figured out for the performance that okay. everyone who wants to taste can, and uh, <laughs> it will all work out okay. Um, but then but then also in this performance, this is my other work as well, like, I mean, in terms of how I kind of relate to um, sort of my Jewishness, I think, or it's the kind of the tradition of of asking questions and this idea around interpretation and that meaning isn't found in like one correct answer, you know, but that there's, it's about there being multiple viewpoints to be shared. And Mm -hmm. we kind of like through a conversation kind of come to some, some ideas or some answers. And, and, uh, and that's very much what I think this performance does. And, um, um, I mean, it's funny, I hosted a Seder this just last month, which I haven't done in a long time. I think now that my daughter's almost seven, I can like start hosting seders again, <laughs>
3: mm-hmm,
2: yeah. um, just in terms of having the time and energy to do it. But, um, but for me, seder feels very much like a performance art event. Mm-hmm,
3: totally. <laughs> and,
2: uh, and it was funny for me, too, because people were asking me why I would want to present the lactation station performance again when I've already done it once and what it means to do a performance art piece again. And it made me – I thought about it a lot around Seder and just about how um, it's kind of never the same discussion twice. Like, it can be, you know, having a Seder year after year and even working with, you know, some of the same material and, like, you know, the same story. But how different it is every year, like, in terms of, like, the conversation and who's there and what's also kind of going on in the world around us that kind of influences the conversation of – of the Seder, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and again, in kind of that spirit of questioning. So I think about that, um, you know, I, th- I was thinking about that with, with, with Seder this year and also as it relates to, to my performance work and just kind of that idea that it really is never the same thing twice, that it's always influenced by, you know, where, where we're at in our lives and what's kind of going on in the world and, um, and what some of the questions are
0: that come up. Right, like reading the Bible over for thousands of years and always trying to find something new in it.
2: I guess yeah, that's what
0: the Jewish tradition is.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that it's like always kind of a way for me to even check in with myself. Like It's really interesting for me to be presenting the lactation station, having done it when my daughter was one and now that she's almost seven, and just in terms of my shift in perspective and, um, and also some of the research that's been done in these last six years. Uh, and how the public conversation around breastfeeding has shifted in in that period of time. How
0: has it shifted over the past Um, six years?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, I think one thing that's interesting, and it doesn't seem that long ago, I mean, like, this is a sunrise-sunset moment for me, but it's like in 2006, like, we didn't have public access to Facebook or Twitter or social media. In terms of, Hmm. like, what the discussion looks like around these issues, but even in terms of how, like new moms network with each other and share information and share resources and in some cases share milk mm-hmm. you know um so i think that like just even with social media like it's changed you know everything in terms of what's public and what's private in terms of discourse
0: mm-hmm. like
2: i would say there's a shift in that way too with those, with this performance
0: sometimes too much private stuff is public with Facebook, but in this case yeah. I think it's a good thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, and it really has just kind of changed like the way that we then even then in person I think kind of share information with one another. So um yeah. so I'm kind of curious about how the performance will feel in Montreal. And then I'm also really interested in doing it in Montreal is like like looking at cultural issues of taste, you know, and you know, kind of doing the Toronto-Montreal comparison of...
0: Wait, what do you mean mean by that, cultural issues of taste?
2: um, Well, I think that, like, um, thinking about taste, I mean, there's the sense of taste, like, uh, you know, in terms of our palates, Mm -hmm. and then also thinking about, you know, what's palatable or what's tasteful Mm -hmm. um, in terms of, like, kind of a more, as a, you know, social construct. And uh, just thinking about, I mean, even um, around looking at like food and wine and things like that, like how, and culturally, like what the differences are in Toronto and in Montreal. Yeah. So I'm just kind of curious about um, how people kind of, like, how the discussion will will happen and yeah, Toronto. it's how true. Actually, I wonder those issues.
0: Yeah, I wonder if it would be like if people would be more open to it here than in Toronto or less. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah be curious to see that yeah uh there's so much i want to whenever somebody brings up passover unfortunately it sets (laughs) off my obsession with that so i'm like still in my mind wondering well what were your discussions at the seder this year (laughs) (laughs) um but if do you want to tell me i'm so curious (laughs) one like what was one of the issues that came up that was special to like 2012 passover seder Um, for you
2: for me um it was very soon after adrian rich's passing and i think that was something that, like, I was thinking about a lot. And then, I mean, I think I'm also getting witch, more and more witchy as I get older. Witchy? And, like, just into, like, all kinds of, like, magic and spells and ritual and
0: uh-huh. things like
2: that. Um, and uh, and for me, it really is, like, kind of about that season of renewal and of regeneration and, like,
3: um, mm.
2: and, and and celebrating, like, everything that's kind of, like, that's new and like welcoming and kind of having like a community celebration. So um, yeah, I love the holiday,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) you know, and Mm -hmm. I really, and I think this year I really was thinking about it so much as performance and the kind of, the kind of performance that I'm interested in where a performance that really requires the participation of an audience and that that's where the performance takes place. It takes place in that conversation and in that exchange with each other Mm -hmm. and where the artist isn't, you know, really, or even the person leading the Seder isn't really kind of privileged. It's not like that they're necessarily like, you know, so much a leader, but somebody who's kind of like facilitating a conversation and creating a space where everyone has a voice and a place to participate. And again, I think about that with the milk bar, like that, everyone there's a point of entry in the conversation for everyone you don't have to be a new mom you don't have to you know have had a baby or had to have breastfed or have have to have been breastfed or you know anything like that i feel like that the issues are those that kind of everyone can kind of participate in the conversation like everyone has something to say that i think is you know valuable and interesting
0: great um Jess Dobkin? <laughs> this is your life no, note. Jasmine, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on to the show. I'm
2: not show. echo anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I have to play a few songs from, from bands that are that are gonna be playing in Montreal and introduce people to new Jewish music. And, um and and still keep reflecting on the connection between the milk bar and Passover and there's so many actually <laughs> because when you think about it, there's the midwives and who was it that breastfed Moses when he was well, taken yeah. away from his mother and etc. et cetera. Et cetera. There you So go. there you go. I hope that next year I get invited to your Passover Seder. Sounds like it would be really cool.
2: That would be fun. You're totally invited.
0: Thanks. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I love getting on air invita- invitations when I put yeah. people on the spot. <laughs> then I'll call you like an hour later. Wait a second. It's all filled up. Oh, no, we're on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe so this. thank you so much. Okay, and uh, we look forward to, to seeing you in Montreal.
2: Super. Thanks.
0: Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye. That was Jess Dopkin. And uh, she's going to be in Montreal on May 26th with the Lactation Station Breast Milk Bar. It's taking place at Usine C, 1345 Avenue La Londe. It's for free. It's wheelchair accessible and stroller accessible, of course. And if you want to have more information, you can go to shtetlmontreal.com and look in the event section, and it's all there with links to to Jess's website and to information about the event. So it should be interesting. And... uh, I thought it would be uh, nice to play a bit of um, a bit of music from some of the uh, the bands and the acts that are going to be in Montreal and uh, some of the new albums that are out. And right now I'm just having a bit of an issue here with uh, (laughs) with um, the next song that I wanted to play, which is by uh, Matisse Yahoo. And uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a little break for a station ID and we'll be back in just a second.
1: Er hat sich tettel auf Shortwave of CKUT 903 FM in Montreal.
4: Rays are dawn, keeping it on till the sun moons on, keeping till the nighttime rolls along. On night I keep singing my song. I said, These ways are supposed ways. Sometimes I get so, phase, but just know that I'll always stay. Cause you're my light through the haze. It's time for a champion, soothe the soul of the land. Men, the heart from the sea and the sand, till the sun comes up again. It's time for a champion, soothe the soul of the land, mend the heart from the sea and the sand, till the sun comes up again. Reach for the sky, keep your eye on the prize, forever by my side, you're my golden sunshine. It's raining in your mind, so push those clouds aside. Forever by my side, you're my golden sun. The sunset, I let myself down. Found the ground beneath my heart gone. No more words with there to speak. On that day my song was born, never meant to leave you. All alone Said I'd be a shelter from the storm Now your clothes have all been torn Kingdom sacked, attacked And dethroned It's time for a champion Soothe the soul of the land Mend the heart from the sea And the sand Till the sun comes up again It's time for a champion Soothe the soul of the land Mend the heart from the sea And the sand Till the sun comes up again for the sky. Keep your eye on the prize. Forever by my side, you're my golden sunshine. It's raining in your mind, so push those clouds aside. Forever by my side, you're my golden sun. It's the Backpack filled with sand Come along now, take my hand We'll walk together Walk forever Reach for the sky Keep your eye on the prize Forever by my side You're my golden sunshine If it's raining in your mind So push those clouds aside Forever by my side You're my golden sunshine Reach for the sky Rise. Forever by my side, you're my golden sunshine, just raining in your mind. So push those clouds aside, forever by my side, you're my golden sunshine.
0: is a live acoustic version of Mathis new song, Sunshine. And he's also gone through a whole transformation having uh, cut off his beard and sort of said that I'm still Jewish, but I'm not doing the Hasidic thing anymore. And I think it's pretty interesting. I'd love to talk to him about that uh, when he comes to Montreal next time. And uh, the next song that I wanted to play is a pretty rockin' song, and I'm going to dedicate it to Rabbi Julia Appel. She has uh, been in Montreal for years, the outreach rabbi at the Reform Temple. And I think she's brought a lot to our city. I hope she'll stay here. For uh, many more years to come. And uh, this is a band that I know she loves. I think we're all going to go see them when they come. It's Google Bordello, and they're going to be in Montreal on May 28th at Metropolis. So take a listen. This is not a crime, and it's a lot more punk rock and roll than what we just heard. Drop the charges!
3: In the old times it was not
4: about, short about time, press you one you know today, today
0: the charges. That's Gogol Bordello, Not a Crime. Definitely going to be a wild party at the Metropolis on May 28th. I hope I see you all there. And another show happening this weekend is by Montreal's awesome Strymel, and they're going to be playing with Ismael Fensioglu. They did an album together called Fensi's Blues, and they're playing at the Bobar uh, on April 20th at 9.30, and this is a song off of that album called Hikas Mandra. Take a listen. Strymel, uh off of their album Fancy's Blues and they're going to be playing in Montreal this weekend also an album launch happening this weekend Lakes of Canada go to their website lakesofcanada.org I believe and uh, that's Jake Smith's band he's been on Shtetl before and they're pretty cool so check them out and I thought that it would be nice to uh, end the show with a little bit of a tribute to one of the um, most influential Jewish bands of all time the beastie boys and i think as most people know one of the lead singers uh mca adam Yauch, was um left us just recently after a three-year battle with cancer and uh the beastie boys um definitely definitely made jewish be way more cool than it ever was i think so uh, that takes us to the end of uh, shtetl on the Short Wave. we'll be back in two weeks with a really special show Uh, it's going to be the the first edition of indigenous shtetl where we're going to look at the crossover between jewish and indigenous culture where do the two meet or not meet Um, how have they influenced each other how have they taken or contributed to one another and um, so we're going to have Jennifer Podemsky, um, Ojibwe and Israeli actress on the show next week uh, to initiate that whole uh, special edition um, and also in the magazine this week if you want to read some fun articles there's Adam Kovac always pretty hysterical writing about uh, his troubles with dating Jewish women in the article Too Awesome for j Date so check that out at shtetlmontreal.com and please come back in 2 weeks this is so what you want <laughs>